already, I believe in mice, you can take a germs, you can take a germ cell from a mouse, I think from their bone marrow. From the skin? From the skin. Yeah. They can make a, a grow sperm. it into a sperm or and grown into eggs. Egg. Yeah. Whoa. Hello. Welcome to the Dr. Gill Show. This is where we talk about medical matters that matter to you. My guest today is Dr. Anil Dubey. Welcome to the show, Anil. Thank you for having me. Anil, PhD, is my IVF lab director. He's coming up on 10 years yes. uh, working with us. Mm -hmm. Not only does he run our IVF lab, but he's become a dear friend over the years. And I've really been looking forward to talking to you, Anil, about in vitro fertilization. It's my pleasure. Now, in vitro fertilization, we call IVF, started back in the 50s. They were able to do it in rabbits. But human beings were horribly difficult for many reasons mm -hmm. to be successful with. In Cambridge University, there was a Dr. Robert Edwards. And an OBGYN doctor named Patrick Steptoe. Yes. Who worked is. together mm -hmm. in the 50s and 60s, particularly in the 60s, and were finally able to get in vitro fertilization to be successful. And the first baby born from IVF was Louise Brown, born in July 25, 1978. That's correct. Edwards That's and Steptoe and a lot of collaborators worked in Cambridge for many years. And after 300 attempts at trying to retrieve an egg from a woman, uh -huh. fertilize it in the lab, make an embryo to transfer the embryo back into a woman's uterus and to be successful. It took about 300 attempts, yes. give or take. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, what's really special about your training, um, Anil, is you got your PhD in Mumbai in 79. Mm -hmm. But then you worked in Cambridge in England in 80 to, not from 1980 to 82 mm -hmm. when IVF was just getting off the ground, just getting started. And for those that don't know, Cambridge is like the Harvard of England. The Cambridge and Oxford is like Harvard and Stanford, the top premier places. Yes. And there you were in the early 80s when IVF was just getting going. So tell me, tell me about your time in the early 80s in Cambridge working with Dr. Edwards. Well, thank you, um, Dr. Gil, Gil Wilshire, my friend. And it's, it's amazing 10 years working with you, especially the way you care for the patient, you take them to the next step, and you give, you, we all try to give a bundle of joy to them. Yes. And it's it's amazing, amazing experience. In my journey um, all this year, uh, it's truly, I'm blessed. And it's, it's, I mean, nothing else I would be doing if, you know, if I would not be in this field. You yeah, know, that yeah, is, yeah. That is, you know, most amazing field. So I basically, my training back home in India 
was in reproduction, reproductive physiology. That's oh. where my field was. You know how the, how the gonad in 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 utero differentiate from male to female. Um, you know, and that's how my interest started. Uh -huh. reproductive yeah. Physiology. So, Dr. Edwards in particular was was researching physiology, how do eggs work, how does sperm work, how do embryos grow, and all that kind of stuff. That's so they had all this early basic science research, which was the foundation of IVF. But clearly you were an excellent candidate. They must have liked you. They brought you to your postdoc at Cambridge. And then what did you see? What was it like? Um, I'll add another piece of history. There was a lot of resistance to establishment from the public, from the press, where a lot of prominent professors and department chairs said they were working with the devil doing IVF. There was a lot of pushback and resistance as Edwards and Steptoe were doing their work. And I believe it took a, a while for that resistance to subside as successes and accomplishments were being made. So what was it like doing your postdoc in Cambridge in the early 80s? It's, it was, uh, you know, with every, any new field, there's always was a resistance, will be resistance, until we prove that it's ultimately beneficial to the humankind. Oh, you had to prove yourself. Yeah. And and IVF field since last 30 years, 35 years, has really evolved so much, oh. right from the basics, just not producing testing babies in the lab and then, you know, wait for the results. The success rate was very, very low in yeah. comparison to today. When when I started working um, in, in Boston um, in, um, <clears throat> in 88, 89, uh -huh. we were just looking for a high 10 to 15% pregnancy rate. Right, right. So you were at Tufts in Boston. Yeah. A very good program with some of the best people in the yeah. country. And when I trained in uh, 1992, a good success rate was about 12%. That give and take. Give, give or take, take yeah. yeah. It was so, like when, if you got a hit occasionally, you were doing a good job. But it was all due to the hard work of, uh, you know, Bob. Bob, oh, you know, I had like first name basis relationship with them. Such a kind gentleman. Uh, English gentleman with um, with humility. Um, it was amazing experience. They will work, work, and work. I mean, you got to be there. You know, it's like 14 to 16 hours of work. The research. I mean, and stretch and a stretch. Yeah. And if ovulation happens in the middle of the night, they you're will doing up. It. So you're up. Yeah. So we were all, you know, at that early days, we were working. Um, with a natural cycle, a natural cycle is there's no hormones given at that time. We have to measure the hormones uh, like every six hours, yeah. go like 2 a.m. in the morning to the lab, try to get the egg, hit and miss. Uh, but mostly we will get egg. And then there was an issue with, the, you know, culturing embryo because the commercially right. available uh, media where we grow these embryos, we're not available those days. Yeah. We have to make our own uh, media with our own recipes. Wow. 
yeah. of course they were sharing uh, the knowledge with uh, you know french people english uh, laboratories right. was amazing at that time and again the knowledge is for spreading sharing yeah, and that's yeah. how the success comes everybody helped and eventually australia got in, into the mix people all over too. the world started yes. working you're on right. this you're right about that yes so you got to work with bob edwards now yeah. bob edwards got the nobel prize in medicine and physiology in 2010 yeah um the nobel prize only goes to people who are living so dr steptoe had passed away and he didn't get a nobel prize because he had passed away yeah. so you were working with a a Nobel Prize laureate to be. Yes. And you were in the early phases of IVF. So let me explain for our, our audience here that to get an egg out of a human being is very difficult. It has to be sucked out of the body with surgery and a needle. Those days, yes. And, has to, and you have to be there at a particular window. There's only a few hours where it's available. Absolutely. Because it's going to pop. Mm -hmm. So you have to get it while it's in there and mature, but before it pops, you've got these fine windows. Then when the egg comes out of the body, light will kill it. Anything but body temperature will kill it. Mm -hmm. The pH is wrong, too much oxygen, too little oxygen. Very finicky. Yeah. Getting the sperm to fertilize the egg. Very finicky. Having it in these liquids, they're mm -hmm. called media. Yeah. And all these ingredients in the media like you were discovered they didn't know what was the best yeah media had been evolving and then how to yeah. get the egg from the human now tell me i believe this is a true story dr steptoe would retrieve the egg from a woman in his hospital mm -hmm. yeah i think bob edwards or somebody had it in a test tube would drop trow <laughs> tape the test tube to their thigh tape it there and pull their pants back on to keep it warm. Go down in the tube, go down in the subway, yeah. and go a few stops down the road to get to the lab to make the embryo. I wish it took three days. It is, it's it amazing, probably, amazing, that amazing story. I mean, we have incubators now. We yeah. can wheel them around. He, he taped it on his thigh. Yes. Right? Yes. So make it, then how do you get it back in the uterus? So all these technical things were being worked out when you were doing your postdoc. So similarly for for freezing uh, embryos now oh. it's so easy to do it than those days it was oh, yeah. so difficult we had to just rely on the information and research uh, from the bovine industry yeah bovine for animal we use animal text animal information and try to apply to it implement to it it but was it's not the same is it exactly no not the same now the Freezing and survival rate of embryos at close to 90%. Earlier days, it was roughly around 10 to 20%, if that, if we freeze it correctly. Yeah. yeah, so people need to understand if we have created some embryos, or yeah. we've taken some eggs or some sperm, we can't use it all right then. We need to find a recipient who's, who's ready. We've got all these, these eggs, maybe some embryos. We have to be able to. Reason. Yeah. And that technology has advanced leaps and bounds leaps and during bounds. your career. Leaps and bounds. Yeah. And I believe the Japanese have helped us with that. Yeah. Tremendously. Tremendously. I think it's an international community. It's an international, it's an international effort. International community. International efforts. No boundaries. 
for sharing knowledge and mm. that's that should be for every field and right. so it's true for for IVF it's true. Yes, so when, it is. when Bob and um, and Stepta got so their Nobel Prize it's just not for the IVF but the the utilization of this technology yes. to stem cell research to genetic analysis mm. to surrogacy egg right. freezing all right. of this is based on the 40, 50 years of knowledge. Yeah. I think people think IVF is just for people who are just having trouble getting pregnant. No. Two or three times a month, and they'll, I have a young man or woman with cancer who is about to get chemotherapy or radiation. Yeah. And we only have this small, short window to save their eggs or save their sperm before they are possibly yes. rendered sterile Absolutely. from a treatment. Mm -hmm. So this has ramifications all over medicine yes. and in the healthcare of people. Mm -hmm. So after Cambridge, you came to the United States and worked at a very famous lab in Pittsburgh yes. that had been started yeah. by Dr. Richard Nobile. Dr. Nobile actually trained, I believe, Dr. Weiss, who was the chairman of my fellowship. Gerson Weiss. Yeah. A very Gerson Weiss, a very famous mm -hmm. uh, man who, who I trained with for a few years. And so that was your entree into the United States. You continue to watch this field develop. Mm -hmm. Success rates keep getting better. Then mm -hmm. you end up going to Boston at Tufts mm -hmm. and work with a Dr. Alan DeCherney, one of the biggest, I would say, rock stars in our field. That is correct. Who's now yeah. head of, he's been the division of at chair NIH. Of, at NIH of uh, endocrinology, mm -hmm. et cetera. So you've worked with some of the Biggest people in the field, Anil, during your during your, your your training and your years here in the United States, something happened in 1994. You were integral in the uh, the development of a way to to fertilize the egg more dependably, because mm -hmm. IVF was originally developed for women with blocked fallopian tubes. Correct. Well, if a woman doesn't have blocked fallopian tubes and the the gentleman has low sperm numbers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we have a male factor. So tell me, what you, how are you involved in overcoming male factor in the world of IVF and infertility? Yeah, so it's it's very interesting uh, topic. You got it, male infertility. Earlier it was taboo that if if the couple is not having any child, then it's you know the problem with. Female partner. Right, they assume it's the woman's well, problem. Always, it was right. But it's mistake. not. It's not. It's uh, you know, as uh, it is almost like fifty-fifty. Well, it's all nowadays. It's almost fifty-fifty. So earlier time, we were struggling with this technology. Um, you know how to maximize chance of fertilization where we have a poor or no sperm getting a sperm yeah. from the testis. Let me dispel another myth. People say, oh, it takes just one sperm to fertilize it. Okay. No, it takes thousands of sperm yes. attacking an egg Naturally. to get to get an egg, one sperm in the egg nat with natural mm -hmm. fertilization. Uh -huh. It's thousands, mm -hmm. doesn't it? Mm -hmm. So this technique is called intracytoplasmic and sperm injection, uh -huh. ICSI. Okay. That's um, the short form of that was developed in, in Belgium, and I got trained there by Andre Van Estratigam, who was the, the father of this. Ah, so and, the, 
Oh my goodness, and you after, were there too. You went yeah. to Belgium to Belgium learn ICSI and develop the ICSI procedure. Yeah, so then after that couple of years I worked uh, and then we had first workshop at, uh, at Boston at Tufts University um, together with my clinical colleagues, Dr. Ellen Ducerny, Ryan Dollar, um, Richard Reindahl. Yeah, for, uh, for those of you out there, that these names don't mean much to you, but these <laughs> it's like Mick Jagger and David Bowie right there, right? That, that's true. That is wow. True. So and wow. Uh, so all this year, all this um, years of my um, career, uh, I was in in academic settings, uh, like working in the university, um, teaching uh, students, um, resident. Training and and the fellow fellowship training, uh -huh. you know that it's required to have a specialized training for clinicians, cool. and also they should spend some time in the lab. So they, you know, I opened the lab door for them, and you know, it was a fantastic journey, right, um, in the academic setting. Yeah, yeah, the training. You know, I am my fellowship training is is in reproductive endocrinology and infertility uh -huh. and back in the you know in, in the 70s there wasn't a fellowship no, for no, this yeah. if you needed endocrine you'd have to go to an endocrine department somewhere yeah. and, and maybe go to a urology department over here and try to mix and match and eventually the, it came together as a specialty correct all reproductive endocrinology and then um then infertility was added um there's a whole story behind that, but our field has been evolving and getting more sophisticated. And to to have a certified, accredited IVF program, mm -hmm. I, I need a medical director. Yeah, I need a, a clinical director, and I need a lab director. And someone said, and, and although some people do all three, uh, it's it's much better to have a lab director who has a PhD. And another degree, Anil, called HCLD. Mm -hmm. What is an HCLD, Anil? So this is, um, um, it's a high complexity laboratory director. So okay. it's a, like a certification. You uh -huh. take a courses and then you get certified by American Association of Bioanalysts. And you have to keep continuing education. You have to accrue those hours all this year to be active as a lab director. Mm -hmm. So that required not only for for embryology part of it, then also embryology, like a sperm field, you know, okay. sperm and egg, and also the general, uh, you know, general category of how, you know, quality control, quality assurance, how to keep the equipment working properly, how to have... Oh, the whole lab. The whole lab. The lab is its own world, Anil. Correct. And that's why we need an expert like you to, to supervise it. Once again, so I'm so grateful that you work with us. So we've seen the development of IVF go from hit or miss, mm -hmm. not knowing how to, what's going to work, mm -hmm. requiring some luck, to a, a, a processing. It's an incredible success. It is. It is. Now, last uh, uh, last month, we did something like twenty embryo transfers. Every woman, every woman got pregnant last month. Now, now some have started to miscarry. Yes. It's not 
100% yeah. take home baby this, rate. No. But to go from hit or miss when mm-hmm. you and I first started today, yes. Yes. to something where mm-hmm. the not just the majority, but the vast majority of people are successful it, it is just an incredible yeah. thing to see in our careers, isn't it? Mm-hmm. In our lifetime. Absolutely. The technology is there. Technology, you know, and it is for, for, for everyone to be utilized. Your attempt, you know, you may not be successful in one attempt, but there's surely, you know, it's all just the tricking the, the treatment. It will ultimately give you the results. Now we yeah. If we have a good egg from somewhere, yeah, a good sperm from somewhere, and make a good embryo from that, and get a good uterus from oh, somewhere, oh, and is. get those three together, generally the success rates are, are going to work. It's the most important part is just the implantation part. Uh-huh. Now, the, you know, we are all, all over the country, all the labs, they are so good. Uh-huh. There's no one lab is, you know, uh, bad or yeah, the, 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 the quality they all, and, and success rates are it's like a rising tide is raising all ships isn't it? we correct. all go to the same conferences we read the yeah. same papers and everyone's getting better yeah. and, and and i've got to say the spirit of collegiality and, and sharing and teamwork in our field is just fantastic i don't i cannot recall ever uh-huh. that someone has found a breakthrough or an improvement in their lab that they haven't been glad to share, uh, you know, at a conference or, or, or a phone call or what have you, or in a mm-hmm. paper. Mm-hmm. Everyone is so willing to share their advances. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because honestly, there, there's enough work for everybody, isn't there? Yeah, that is true. That is true. Yeah, there are some, some stories like some, you know, which gives um, some bad praise for us. You know, sure, yeah, there have been some bad know, apples and some bad stories. Yeah. But that's quite, you know, there are a few and far right. in between. And far in between, yeah. yes. But overall, you know, once you're in a program, you're in good hands. Yeah, generally. And, and, uh, yeah. Yeah, and uh, there was some newspaper article in the past where the reporter said, oh, IVF. In vitro fertilization, advanced reproductive technology is the wild west of medicine. As if we yeah, were running rampant, guns blazing, no ethics. Nothing could be farther from the truth, could it, Anil? Correct. This is not true. I mean, we are all um, being watched, being certified. Right. Uh, you know, and we are using the quality products. Um, you know, we do miracles, but you know, not 100%. It's, you know, we yeah. try. We, well, try we have very best. high ethical standards. Very much so. We're inspected up the yin-yang. Very much so. People can come in at any time. People don't realize that uh, the FDA yeah. inspector, and by the way, FDA inspectors wear military-type <laughs> uniforms. Yes. That the historic, the history, let me share yeah. it with you, is that the FDA needed to get onto ships. Yes coming into the country to inspect chips and whatnot. Yeah. And a person coming in in a suit and tie or overalls didn't get on the ship. So they found that they wore these these admiral-type naval uniforms. They could get yeah, one. Aye, 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 sir. Yeah. And they were... So 
the COVID uh, pandemic put a little kibosh on this, but in the good old days before COVID, any time a person in one of these uh, FDA naval suits would show up, you'd have to let them in. Yes. You'd have to give them a room and a desk yeah, yeah, and they yeah. could inspect all your charts and, yeah. and check what you do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, so we have seen yeah. an evolution of the ethics uh -huh. and and the standards of care. Yes. Best practices. Yes. And from time to time, these are reevaluated mm -hmm. and modernized mm -hmm. and kept mm -hmm. up to date yeah. by by the leaders in our field. Yes. And uh, I see your name from time to time on these committees. Um, I remember the doctor who added infertility onto my certification. His name was Robert Reebok. Mm -hmm. He's called Reproductive yes. Endocrinology, and he had them put infertility on yeah. that. Yeah. And successor lobby to give it the modern uh, title that, that it is now. I think Robert's recently retired. Yes. Um, so, Anil, where do you see things going? Obviously, success rates continue to improve. Mm -hmm. The ability to use surrogates, for example, there's a number of clinics in California mm -hmm. that have couples that the woman has a severe medical problem, doesn't have a uterus, Correct. pregnancy would kill her. Mm -hmm. She's been losing her pregnancies. Sometimes they find some lovely, fertile, young Midwest women here and will help mm -hmm. prepare them and they'll fly to California yeah. for an embryo transfer and become a surrogate. Mm -hmm. Almost all the time they come back pregnant, we do their ultrasounds, and they're successful. Yeah. Yeah. So we're seeing more and more surrogacy yeah. so that older women, sicker women can have a, a biological mm -hmm. family. What other uh, developments do you see uh, going on in NIL? Because maybe yeah. in, in genetic testing. Oh, absolutely, I'm coming to that. But, but the women, the surrogate um, mothers, really are out there and helping this. Oh, they have big hearts in NIL. Big hearts. I mean, it they takes, are compensated. It, they are, but that's the compensation it, 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 is it, not it, everything. It's, it's not everything. It, it takes a very special person yeah. to be a surrogate. It really does. And, they are and, and to... To give that child back to and then to give it up to knowing what yeah. part you played. Yeah, it, so it, it is, is. It is. Yeah, you know. I've I have yet to meet a surrogate that did it for the money. Yeah, I mean, obviously you got to pay for your gas and yeah. you're going to pay I for mean, your you your know. plane tickets and your health insurance yeah. and whatnot. No, they they are putting their life out there. They are putting their, putting their life, their on, life on hold for nine months for somebody. You know, it's just as you said, it's just not for the money. It takes a special person. It's an incredible so, gift. Yeah. So coming back to your question about uh, the genetics. Yes. yes. Tell the us genetics. about the, the genetic testing, in the, which has revolutionized uh, reproduction. <clears throat> yeah, it is. It is. It just started with uh, simply just knowing the chromosome complement of, uh, of an embryo where um, we can biopsy few cells uh -huh. uh, from developing embryo and then freeze um, the remaining embryo right. you know, and then analyze for chromosome for just simple, you know, 23 pairs. Yeah, and, but, let, let, and let me explain this too. You get 23 chromosomes from your mommy, you yeah. get 23 chromosomes from your daddy, that has to be perfect. Yes. And you have to have them come together. They, so they need to... The mom, and the, the mom and dad need to pull these chromosomes apart perfectly. 
they have to come back together perfectly. Okay. And two to the twenty-three. I mean, it's it's an enormous number. There's so many places for error. Yes. And in fact, as a rule of thumb, half of the good-looking, beautiful embryos we see in the IVF lab, roughly half of them have abnormal chromosomes that is and are incompatible with life. It is astounding. I, they it never is. would have, well, maybe they didn't, but I don't think they were thinking that back in the 1960s and 70s. No. It no. was unknown. It was unknown. So genetic healed, I mean, it's, it's really exploded. Yeah, now so can, I know you've, yeah. you've got affiliations and you've, with, with various labs, and you yeah. know a lot of these technologies. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about these technologies so we can biopsy an embryo now, or you, you and your embryologist can mm -hmm. biopsy an embryo, take a sample. Mm -hmm. We can now freeze the embryo reliably and dependably yes. with almost no detriment to the embryo. Correct. And then these little biopsies go to special labs. What mm -hmm. do they do in these labs? Uh, unpack this a little bit, this yeah, incredible so, technology. So when it comes to the lab in a small tube that, uh, you know, so all the cells, uh, you know, it's about five to seven cells. So just four or five cells is a microscopic it's a, it's a very, sample. It is very minute. Uh, oh, minute know. sample. Yeah. So it's like four or five small like thing. This is microscopic. Yeah. You cannot see yeah. this with the eye. So you get a little tube. You get a, a series of tubes like on dry ices and they come in okay. cold. Come in They're cold. shipped in, yeah. let's say to a central lab from all these different IVF yeah. clinics. Yeah. They get these samples. Yeah. Then what happens to these little these gets, little vials? You know, then it? you know it's then the DNA is being extracted from there. Okay. And the, and the DNA gets amplified. So right, we so you can magnify yeah. and so we are making um, you know few thousand copies of of the, the DNA. So you the double same. it, double it, double it, and you double that, and you double that. All of a yeah. sudden, the DNA of just the tiny bit of DNA, yeah. all of a sudden is is, yeah. is amplified millions okay. of times, right? So we have the copies then. Okay. And then uh, then there are. Other that needs to be tagged with a different, uh, you know, specific uh, genes, which is specific for that particular chromosome. You know what that's called, Anil? You know, yeah. it's called barcoding. It's barcoding. So they take this DNA. Yeah. We put every and, chromosome. And they chop it up chop and it up. barcode it. Yes. All right. So now each of these little broken up segments has a little tag on either yeah. side. Then what do you do with so once they, they get tagged, then it goes into the, the machine. What and, is the machine? Well, it's, uh, it's um, yeah, it's, it, it's amplified process of yeah. DNA and it goes, you know, then, you know, some of those, uh, the, um, the nucleotides, which are the things you know, that make the, up the steps make, make up, up the, the DNA. DNA. You know, it gets incorporated, and certain ions are uh, uh -huh. uh, released, and that ion is then registered. Uh, so it's a it's a largest mm -hmm. spectrophotometer. You know what uh -huh. we can call it, uh -huh. and then it gets. I, I, I'm going to explain this now for people. Yeah, here's a cell phone, an iPhone here. Yeah, there are little chips in here. With me megapixels, right? these tiny, tiny little cells. 
what this machine does in Nell is it turns each little pixel into a test tube. Yeah. So you get millions and millions of data points yeah. that then go into a special computer. Mm -hmm. And that computer uses multiple parallel processing, blows my mind, right. and puts all these signals back together with the barcode. Mm -hmm. And poof, you get you'll a get read. Out. You get you'll a get read. read. What's called a, a call. Yeah, it's 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 a high level of computing, high level levels of analysis, and it was only possible after the Human Genome Project, which mapped all you know, 23 pairs of chromosomes oh. that, you know, the mapping is there. So we have right. a reference library oh. and then that, you know, the amplified DNA, the processed sample was read against um, the, the uh, genome. The genome, yeah. what's basically normal with, with a little bit of okay. So this has evolved in parallel yes. with the world of genetics. Yes. So we've been able to borrow and share the technology. Uh -huh. So it's the field of genetics, powerful computing, microchips. Yes. As all this has come together, we've been able to utilize it to advance reproduction, make reproduction more successful, more dependable, allow people to have babies in, in, in very difficult yeah. circumstances sometimes, despite difficult circumstances. Yeah. And also for the genetic, uh, inherited genetic diseases. That's the next that thing. Tell, next me, thing tell me about that. So on. one problem an embryo can have is abnormal numbers of chromosomes. Because they're almost always fatal. Mm -hmm. They're diseases that run in families, aren't they, Anil? Yes. Horrible, devastating cancer syndromes. Yes. Uh, the list is thousands, thousands of diseases long. And those are due to actual specific mutations. There's an actual molecule in the DNA that's wrong, isn't it? That is correct. That is so correct. what so can we do about that, this, Anil? This, you know, this was not heard of. You know, earlier we cannot even think about people who right. are thing. You know, it's hit or miss. Kids suffering with the balance translocation. Hemophilia. Mental, oh, it goes on. Mental oh. retardation. Tay-Sachs disease. Horrible uh, suffering. Horrible, horrible. So now that if we know the genetic mutation, okay, th then the specialized, very highly specialized lab can, um, you know, generate the probes which mimics that particular mutation. So you can find these mutations now, can in, you? Into the embryo, in, into so those can, biopsy cells. So you can find an embryo that's destined to have some horrible, deadly, miserable disease. Correct. Or you can find an embryo that is possibly free of this disease. Absolutely. So parents, have, sometimes they come to me, they've had one or two children that have died miserably, mm -hmm. and they just want to have a healthy kid. They just want to have a healthy child to uh -huh. raise and be disease-free, yeah. whose children and their grandchildren, their great-grandchildren can also be disease-free. Yeah. Not incredible. It is incredible that we can uh, do that. But again, people. as you know, that this is not hundred percent. But at least we have, uh, you know, uncovered all the stones. Right. You know, but there are, you know, uh, like mosaic. You know, the, the 
the embryo can show one thing, but actually the baby turns out sometimes. Yes, so and it it happens. So right, right, right. So let's, let's point out that we biopsy an embryo, and we can analyze the biopsy. But does the biopsy accurately reflect the embryo in the it's, child that develops? And it's not a hundred percent correlation. Correct. correct. We do our so, best, and we can absolutely. do pretty darn good. It is. It is. Absolutely. And the world of medicine, and you know, people need to understand. There's something. There's statistical certainty. There's six. Sigma certainty, yes. there's engineering certainty. Like when you drive over a bridge, yes. an engineer can tell you, an architect can tell you, well, we put this much rebar in there and this much concrete, yeah. and I can guarantee that 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 truck can drive across that bridge and, not, and it won't crumble, right? You can guarantee that kind of certainty. In medicine, biological certainty, it's, it's, it's a little lower bar. Yeah. Every time you have surgery, yeah. I mean, I was in surgery all day today. Yeah. I mean, one in a hundred thousand people will die of anesthesia. Yeah. So yeah. There are these inherent risks in the life sciences. And which is not in your control. Right. It's not in our not control. In our we control. do our best. Yeah. Driving a car, you don't wear your seat. Even a seatbelt won't protect you one hundred percent. Sure. Right. Yeah. So, so I think it's a, I think you bring up a real point, important point in Nil that we do we give it a hundred percent effort. Yes. The technology probably better than 99% good. And then there's some, when we apply it to biology, there's some, some gray areas there. Yeah. But I think we can say for the vast majority of people and the vast majority of conditions, we can now provide answers and solutions where only just a few decades ago, there were none. Absolutely. For people with absolutely, absolutely no hope or virtually no hope. Yeah. That's incredible. Now. Yeah. Where do you see this going, Anil, in, in our lifetime? I think, you know, the next big thing coming is um, AI, artificial intelligence. In, in what way? Uh, to apply uh, all this knowledge, all this data we are collecting in the lab is, um, you know, right from, from, from when you give us uh, egg in the lab, um, to look for uh, to fertilization, how the process of uh, the cell leaves and how the embryos dividing mm -hmm. each day, each hour. Um, you know when it making a blastocyst. When a blastocyst is a day five mature embryo. Day five. I mean the lab can grow embryo on until day five to six, maybe seven, okay. but six is the optimum. Okay. You know, that's how the the lab, the current conditions, the media conditions can allow us to. Uh -huh. After six, seven, seven day, it degenerates. So, so the AI, uh, you know, it's required, again, a collaboration of uh, hundreds of lab to mm -hmm. pour their data into this AI. Okay. Uh, and, and there are... Uh, you know, some some laboratories are collaborating and collecting all this data. And with this computer scientists, the uh, data scientists, with powerful computers, powerful computers. So, so it can give us the tool um, to, you know, we generate um, many embryos in the lab from from the patient. You know, on, a, on average, six to seven or maybe 10. 
and then we are analyzing those for genetic analysis and then we still have we have four or five good or normal uh, PGD you know um, the genetically tested normal embryo. So you can have a normal embryo with normal genetic testing and they still have other problems. But it's still be the 30 percent of right. them they don't implant. Sometimes we transfer a beautiful embryo everything looks perfect and we throw up our hands for some reason it's that not correct. working in yeah. that patient okay. and sometimes it happens over so, and over and we're, we pull out our hair. Clearly you've pulled out a lot of your hair over the years and they'll I'm certainly getting a lot more gray hairs. Yeah. So what you're saying is that AI. computers can watch this and take videos of the embryo development and without pre preconditions. You see, the thing is we're programmed to think, well, symmetry is good or yeah. a round cell is good. Yeah. There's things in our brain that we find mm -hmm. appropriate or attractive yeah. or we assume is good. The computer has no preconceptions. And what it's going to do is it's going to watch everything it can mm -hmm. and find out what is associated with success, mm -hmm. what is associated yeah. with disease beyond what we can test now. That is correct. I think that's what the AI is going to do in in IVF field. It's going and to of continue course, to yeah. fine tune. So instead of eighty six percent success rates and whatnot, now we're going to start pushing into nineties. Correct. It is, and you know the fertility preservation. Is for, mm -hmm. for the young women is like it's it's it is now you know if somebody is like 30 31 and they haven't found the partner or they're uh -huh. in, in a serious relationship they immediately go to the IVF center to freeze their eggs That's right. so there's an awareness there's fertility preservation uh -huh. not, you know for social reasons Right, but it's it's there. The technology is there. Um, you know, for 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 the guys, it's it's not that much a problem. Right. So it's been easy. We've been able <laughs> to freeze easy. sperm for decades. For it's decades. easy to freeze sperm, but their small cells are already dehydrated. They're Correct. made to freeze. Yes. Sperm is easy. Yeah. Just mix in some antifreeze, throw it in the freezer. Yeah. Eggs have been very difficult. Very difficult. Was it maybe it seven or eight years ago? Yeah. This vitrification, these snap freezing technologies became available. Yeah, it has revolutionized the whole industry, especially for uh, for, for donor aids and yes. for fertility preservation. Let, uh, yeah, let, let's talk about that, Anil. There have been some real advances the past few years, in part brought on by the COVID pandemic. Mm -hmm. Let me explain to our, our, our listeners about that. We have a Young woman, when a woman needs an egg, she's run out of eggs, she's Correct. had cancer, uh -huh. and a woman has no eggs. Yes. We find a woman generally with her same characteristics, five foot two, eyes blue, brown hair, whatever. Yes. We would have to find this, we would have to give her medicines to make eggs. We'd have to fly her in, Correct. stay in a hotel, rent a car, snowstorms, ice storms, all these logistics to get her in our lab yes. to get yeah. her eggs. Yes. But with COVID, the planes weren't flying. The yeah. women couldn't travel. Yeah. So coincidentally, with the pandemic making donor eggs so hard to get, mm -hmm. the freezing technology came up to speed. Yeah. Right? Developed in, in by part, at least a lot of it done in Japan, so that women can freeze their eggs and, and deposit them in an egg bank 
in the same way we freeze have been freezing sperm for sperm banks for years. Yes. And now, instead of having to fly a woman in or whatnot, you just go online. A patient can go online. Yes. There's five foot two, eyes are blue, brown hair. Yeah. Order them, and they can come shipped frozen eggs yeah. right to our door. Yeah. Isn't that amazing. Yeah. So COVID has really pushed us in that way. Mm -hmm. And then we're doing almost all exclusively frozen donor eggs nowadays. Yeah. I, yes. I, I think it's it's very easy for, for the recipient mm -hmm. just to match the characteristic, pick up uh, this thing. You know. Yeah, the FedEx is a lot more reliable than uh, than planes. Yeah. yeah. We'll talk they about are, how are, difficult are, plane flights have been the past few <laughs> years. Yeah, so that's been a huge advancement as well. So now we can get frozen eggs from egg donors. Mm -hmm. Frozen sperm. In fact, I had a couple just recently. He had a sperm problem. She had an egg problem. She's pregnant now from an embryo made for the donor egg but and the, donor the sperm. Yeah. But it's in her tummy. Yeah. They are thrilled. Yeah. She's gonna have a beautiful baby. Yeah. No one's gonna know it was it was done because the baby's gonna come out looking pretty much like them. Yeah. yeah. And problem i don't want to say solved the problem address address yeah address yes the dream fulfilled but let's go in maybe this will be beyond our lifetimes and they'll let's go into the world of science fiction now uh -huh. talk about germ cells mm -hmm. what are your thoughts now already i believe in mice you can take a germs you can take a germ cell from a mouse i think from their bone marrow. from the skin from the skin, yeah, they can make the, the grow sperm. it into a sperm or and grow them into eggs. Egg, yeah. Whoa! Tell me more about that, please. It is still very um, early stage. This is experimental. Mm -hmm. They, you know, it's a lot of work is being done, and uh -huh. success will come eventually uh -huh. once they, you know, you know, standardize streamline the technique so it will uh, you know it's again it will be for years to come to apply clinically um, you know those those technology now have they done it in mice yeah they have i think they they've have. done it in mice yeah. they've made a sperm, a sperm from a germ cell they've made an egg from egg a germ from cell the they fertilize they make an embryo and those embryos will make pups. Yes. So, yeah, few experiments are successful, and uh -huh. I think we're waiting for more and more. Of right, they're going to have to follow them down for many generations. Yeah, it is. Things could come out mm -hmm. in future generations, mm -hmm. and things yeah. that you don't anticipate. Yeah, we can also freeze ovaries. That's another for the cancer patients. Right, right. And then that's been done for a while. For a while, it is you know some specialized centers, they they do that, um, you know, in, so, in this country. So it is not com it's not complete fiction. It is not out of the realm of possibility. Correct. That, for example, a child is born, mm -hmm. and they take can take some blood cells from the placenta umbilical cord or mm -hmm. something and uh -huh. freeze them uh -huh. and later in life if that individual has disease or problem making sperm the Correct. woman has a problem with her eggs for whatever reason mm -hmm. cancer illness whatever 
they could take those stem cells, thaw them out, mix them with special chemicals, uh-huh. hormones, mm-hmm. and direct them to grow into eggs or sperm mm-hmm. and restore their fertility through something related to in vitro fertilization. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. It's amazing, yes. And we can imagine. It's, it's going to come. It's going to come. Going to come. The other uh, thing I think um, you may ask me, what is our biggest um, problem? You know, Please, yeah, this it. isn't all uh, unicorns and rainbows. What are some problems, Anil? The problem, I think, the, the dilemma are, um, you know, we are generating a lot of embryos. And we Excess are freezing embryos. it. Right. Excess embryos. We freeze them, we store them. So the lab, you know, we have to keep them in a suspended state state so that we can use it but it's not only uh, in us but throughout the world this is a huge problem of um, those excess stored embryos right and the family don't need them or they get divorced they get divorced like we send out letters in to a couple g we haven't heard from you in a while it costs a certain amount of money to keep them stored. So you haven't sent a check in a while. We say, where are you? They don't respond. They've disappeared. Abandoned They're divorced. Embryos. Yeah. So what they, do you do with the yeah, embryos? You know, and that is really, it's, it is patient's responsibility. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's like your money in the bank. You right. have stored those embryos with us or with any lab. Yeah, because we don't. We're the steward. They're not yeah, our embryos. No. We they cannot. are a special, with, usually they're married, it's a special marital asset. Yes. It's not mine. Yeah. So it's we, yours, but so you've abandoned so them it's now. A, it's, it's, sometimes. A, it's a huge um, burden or responsibility yeah. or dilemma what to do with abandoned embryos. Sure. I mean, I have known, I mean, where, where I was at George Washington in, in 1997 to 2013, we had embryos from 1986, 88. Right. Still there. Uh, the risk management committee of the university or of any other lab will not allow us to discard. And we yeah. don't, we yeah. never ever discard yeah. any uh, embryos which are abandoned. We still have those. And still it have. is, yeah. And now so, they get shipped. Now they've got some commercial repositories. It is. Yeah, uh, there's several big down. ones around the country, Texas, yeah. Minnesota. I don't know exactly yeah. where they are, and, and they, they're just growing. Yeah. And there's like a half a million embryos in and these then, various storage facilities, long-term storage facilities. Yeah, and and the errors can occur in the lab where we, you know, we put them in the under liquid nitrogen. It is being monitored 24/7, but something beyond um, human control can mm-hmm. happen, and we sure. can lose embryos. Sure, I think, and it has. Happen. There's a very famous picture. It was on the cover of Fertility and Sterility of people in boots in Hurricane Katrina oh, when yeah. New Orleans was flooded, mm-hmm. and it shows these these people, these two guys, I think, holding one of these big flasks. They're called Dewar flasks. Essentially, they're big thermoses. Mm-hmm. They're like as big as an R2D2 unit, mm-hmm. and it shows them carrying them out through the floodwaters. Mm-hmm. 
Let me give you another example Please. of what happened in uh, Ukraine war. When Russia ah, invaded yes. Ukraine, one of the largest donor aid supplier, they had thousands and thousands of embryos and they have to rent a truck and ship it out to Poland. To Poland. The Ukraine, I know uh, Ukraine is, is, is essentially a, a Caucasian country right. and was a good source for eggs. It was cheaper it was a there. Shortage. It was a shortage now in, a in shortage. this country. Yes, yeah, so there, was, there were several well-established facilities there for donor eggs, embryos, even mm -hmm. surrogates. Mm -hmm. So a war comes in. What yeah. happens if a missile explodes on the top of your lab? Kaboot! Thousands of tens of thousands of embryos were gone. So we do take care. We, well, what, we do our do best. We do I have our contingencies day. for hurricanes, floods, yeah. tornadoes, it's earthquakes. Yeah. Yeah. All it's in binders. Time. I mean, this so, is all, so and that's part of your job. Yeah. That <laughs> you, is, you take that care is of my true. lab. Yeah, that is true. I mean, it is. It's it's a nightmare for for embryologists. Yeah. It is one of the you know we just are walking on the eggshell with this, yeah. so you know. And then again, the uh, the other thing is you know uh, the identification or the chain of custody, uh, labeling sure. embryos. You know something can happen in the lab; the human error can occur. Uh, with you know there are some examples, but ninety nine percent time. The embryologists, they do a pretty good work. Yeah, pretty we have work. systems yeah, in yeah. place, or things so coded. You've got to have a system in place. Uh, you've got to have be, witnessing. There should not be error. Yeah. However, if you have a bad, it kind of comes like, like gun safety. If you have a determined person, yeah, it's hard to completely stop yeah. uh, all acts of violence. So if you had a, an inside person in the lab, you know, bent on destruction or bent on malfeasance. Mm -hmm. and that, that's true. That's yeah. Right. yeah. Somebody is out, somebody's mad. Yeah. And we see that all the time. Well, not, not in IBM, yeah. but, not but in the world. Time, in, the in the world, world. you see this. Sure, you know, sure. crazy people. So, we're, these are the, this is the real world, and there are real world problems. Yeah. Even in IBF, nothing's going to be perfect. But I'm going to say this again, that we have safeguards, best practices, Yes. Protocols that we follow, we're inspected, yeah. and those types of errors really, yeah. really shouldn't happen. Yeah. But acts of God, I think it's called force majeure. Yes. War is considered a force majeure. Yeah. Um, can happen. Wow. Um, I'm going to take a risk uh -huh. and go even further into science fiction. Uh huh. We cannot do this now, but gene editing is being developed. The ability, let's say we have an embryo with this horrible genetic condition. We would choose not to, we would keep it frozen in that case. We would choose not to transfer it. A day may come where they, we could thaw out that embryo and treat that embryo and actually repair disease and fix the disease. Mm -hmm. In fact, there people hear of CRISPR, and CRISPR is probably just the first of many of these editing genes and enzyme complexes. Mm -hmm. Better ones, I'm sure, will be coming. So it's not fictional anymore. 
It's not fictional it was, anymore. It was the experiments were done. Yeah. The embryos were edited. In and China. In China. Yeah. Well, that was three years back. And the whole uh, community is really was shocked with this. And yeah, they, there was quite they, an uproar disowned, and pushback. They disowned the person. I think he's in jail in China. He's in jail in China. So, yes, it's just like playing with the fire. Yeah. And, you know, your imagination can really go wild. I mean, you can do the genetic editing. You can create monster. Well, that, that's, that, where, that, that's, well where that's where, where I was afraid to go. Yeah. But I'm just going to mention this because I, first I want to make it clear. We cannot do what I'm about well, to say. Society will definitely. And that's where we need the, the you know, control. Yes, and we've got very strong ethical rules and regulations against this stuff. Yes. But theoretically, mm -hmm. if we can start repairing problems, mm -hmm. we've been able to knock out genes in, mm -hmm. in animal experiments for many years. We may be able to start to knock in genes. Yes. Now you've got an embryo, maybe you can grow taller. Maybe you can grow it stronger. Maybe yes. you can grow it faster. That's... Maybe you can grow it a little dumber, yes. so it will follow instructions better. Yeah, and I, I, you know, it, it's scary and exciting to think where this may go mm -hmm. in in hundreds of years. Yeah, maybe it'll be sooner than that. Um, but this is going to open up a whole new world of ethical dilemmas. Yes, well, yes. this is. Human evolution mm -hmm. ma magnified multiple One orders of magnitude because we're now evolving ourselves. Yes. Yes. And uh, I, we, we will not see this in our lifetimes. I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. <laughs> I'd rather not see it. Thank yeah. you very much. Yeah. Um, um, but uh, that eventually may come. And um, we need to start at least thinking about it, preparing for it and, and keeping our ethical guardrails up it and having our, our, yeah. our standards yeah. of care. There should be rules and regulations and but just controlling this experiments which are really Many good not. things may come from it because yeah. maybe we don't have to make so many embryos now. Maybe That's in the future you could make just one embryo a a as needed yeah. but AI. Is disease free. So. Some incredible things may come that may solve or begin to work around some of the problems we're experiencing mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. But the future is bright. I think the future is future very is bright. bright. Very bright. And, you know, and here I want to say that, you know, the patients, you know, the couple, they, you know, they go unimaginable journey on this. Yeah. Socially, financially physically mm. to achieve their dream yes and you know we are fortunate to help them in this journey you and i more you than no me. it's equal now we're all it partners is, it is, it's, yeah i couldn't do it without it is, you yeah and that's what makes me going even after 40 years uh -huh. in in this, in this business of uh, research and then clinical application helping out. I'm very humble to, mm. and it's a privilege 
is <clears throat> to you know help these patients uh, and you know their trust is is unimaginable well i'm gonna i'm gonna let it end there and they'll we've had incredible they're not over with yet but we're starting to get to the end of our careers you and i have witnessed an amazing development yes. in medicine technology mm -hmm. ability to help people with infertility is otherwise insurmountable we've worked with incredible people um it's been a hell of a run and it is and i hope we have another number of years where we continue to see yeah. these advancements that we've we've kind of started to flush out here and who knows what other things may yeah. surprise us yeah yes surprise for good surprise good surprise yeah well thank you for all your years helping us and they'll hopefully we'll have many more years of success and uh, what a pleasure it has been talking to you today about the, the development and evolution of ivf same here thank you so thank much thank you so for much me. what a yeah. pleasure